this morning or this evening or this afternoon. Um, but that sure was good food, wasn't it? Really enjoyed that. I mean, enjoyed the fellowship and been able to, to talk to you and get to know you a little bit. Um, uh, you know, we're going to talk about raising kids. And I, I, I think one of the greatest things, privileges we have in the world is raising children uh, to serve the Lord. Uh, the fact of the matter is, my wife and I got married. We decided to move to Las Vegas, Nevada, and our concern was not so much about whether or not the the church uh, that we were starting was going to be successful, as it was that our family was going to be successful. That we were going to have children that grew up in Las Vegas and wanted to serve the Lord. It was probably about ten years ago now. We were having a missions conference. We had missions conference in uh, every June, and a, and a missionary wife came up to us and said, oh, it's got to be longer than that. It's got to be about 15 years ago because some of my kids were still there and serving the Lord. And a uh, lady came up and said, Pastor, a uh, missionary's wife, she said, she said, you've talked about a lot of things. We used to have service, uh, just, just uh, a conference with our missionaries in the morning. And uh, uh, just talk about practical things. And she said, the one thing that I would like to know is how in the world you raised five kids in this city and they all want to serve Jesus. She said, every one of your kids are running around here doing something for the Lord. And she said, it amazes me. How did that happen? And I thought, that's a good question. And so I went home and asked my wife. <laughs> and uh, so we went, I went home. We, we sat and talked uh, that evening. And uh, we just started writing things down that, that uh, we had done, things that we had practiced that uh, affected our children. And uh, uh, we came up with 13 different, poss- 13 different things. And we, we, uh, we, we went down and alliterated them, so they all started with P. And then I went the next day and, and talked about 13 powerful P's for parenting. And um, that we changed that into a book now called Raising God's Kids in Sin City, and so we have that available. So what I'm going to do with you uh, t- today and tomorrow evening is talk about those points that we wrote down about uh, how we raise kids. You know, raising kids can be uh, a trial. Uh, ch- children can be offensive. They can do things that really get you in trouble, uh, or they can make you feel bad. I was I was sitting in my I was sitting in my living room. Is this on now? Good. Uh, um, I was sitting in my living room one day, and my daughter Charity and her husband were sitting over in a couch over here, and we have a sort of a, 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 a what's it called? Sectional. sectional, good. We have a sectional, and um, that's a pastor's wife, always helping her husband out. And so uh, uh, we were sitting in the sectional. I'm sitting over here. My, my daughter and her husband are sitting over there, and, uh, and, and our kids are, are playing our, our grandkids, about, I don't know how many of them were out there in the dining room. When Lincoln, he's about four years old, he comes running in and he said, Grandpa, Grandpa. He said, I have a question. I said, what's that? And uh, he got right up in my face. He said, Grandpa, how come you're so fat? <laughs> I said, what did you say? And Mom's about to get up and just really uh, chew him out. And I said, no, 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 I'll take care of this. I said, you come here, come here. And I sat him down next to me. I said, let me, tell you, let me explain something to you. You know what's going to happen to you? He said, what? I said, you're going to grow up and you're going to get fat. 
And I said, somebody's going to point at you one day and they're going to say, you're fat. And they're going to call you fatso. And that's what's going to happen to you. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, why? I said, because the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. And whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And because you called me fat, somebody's going to call you fat. He looked up at me and said, really? I said, yeah. He said, Grandpa, I have another question. I said, what's that? He said, who did you call fat? <laughs> Rotten little kid. Anyway, kids, kid, kid, kids can, raising kids can, can put you in all sorts of uh, strange predicaments. I walked into McDonald's one day and... I, my wife and I, we were heading to Barstow, we were heading to uh, California, we were in Barstow, California, there's like this train station, Barstow station, uh, uh, McDonald's there, and we, so we went in there to get something to eat, and uh, we told our kids, smoking is bad, it'll kill you, don't ever smoke cigarettes, and beer is bad, and it's the devil's drink, and don't ever, so uh, we, we, we were emphatic about all those things, teaching our kids. I, I, we're walking through McDonald's, and as we're walking through McDonald's, we walked by a booth, and there's a lady sitting there at the booth, sweet lady, and she's smoking a cigarette. And we walked by, and uh, we went and got to the booth on the other side of her. And Matthew was about three years old, four years old, and, and uh, Matthew, uh, we, we sat down, got our food, we sat down, and Matthew got up and turned around. The lady was sweet and waved to our kids. And, and the, the, Matthew got down uh, and was sitting down. The lady would have been in back of him. He uh, got up, like, like really concerned, got up and turned around and looked over the booth. And he said, hey, lady. And she said, she said, what? He said, you know, smoking will rot your guts. You're going to die. And uh, this is not a good thing. Sometimes children can be embarrassing. Can you say amen to that? Uh, they can put you in awkward situations and, and say things that are just not right. So it's important that we understand what God, how God wants us to raise kids and what God wants us to do with our children. So we're just going to share with you uh, what uh, some of the things that God uh, taught us about raising children. And uh, we're going to start by reading Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, let me share with you a very, very powerful theological truth. Deuteronomy is, chapter 6, is, it's very important that you understand this truth, that Deuteronomy chapter 6 comes after Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now you say, why is that significant? Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, Moses has just rehearsed with the children of Israel uh, the story of the Ten Commandments. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he gives a rehearsal of all the Ten Commandments. And he tells them how the Ten Commandments were given. He says, you remember when God gave you the Ten Commandments? Do you remember that? You were there, you were kids, you were, we were there, and you, we went to the mountain. And the voice of God actually came down from the mountain. And God gave you the Ten Commandments. And you, you, your parents heard the voice of God. You heard the voice of God. And you said, you came to me and said, we never want to hear that again. People will say from time to time, if I heard God speak, then I'd believe. Yes, you would. And it'd scare the daylights out of you. The Bible tells us that they surrounded that mountain and the voice of God, Moses tells this story in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the voice of God spoke to them. They heard, the, they saw the fire, they saw the lightning, they saw everything. And they came to Moses afterwards and said, Moses, we never want to hear that again. We want you 
to go to God from now on and let God talk to you and then you come and tell us what God wants and we'll listen to what you say, but we don't want to hear his voice again. And so Moses goes back to, to, to God and says, God, they don't want to hear your voice. They want you to tell me and I'll tell them. And God said, okay, that's what we'll do. And I'll set up a prophet after you and another prophet after you and another prophet after you until Christ comes. And so um, so that was that's, that's what happens in... In Deuteronomy chapter 6, he rehearses all of that, and then he gives all of the Ten Commandments. So when we come to chapter 6, now Moses is going to ta- is talking to them. They're about to go into the promised land. He doesn't want them to blow it when they go into the promised land. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says this, Now, these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether thou goest to possess it. God gave me these commandments, and I've given them to you, and God wants you to do these things when you go into the, in, into the land. That, you might, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God with all, uh, and to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy sons and thy sons' sons, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Why does he want you to keep these commandments? Because they're going to keep you healthy, they're going to keep you uh, living long, you're going to prosper in the land. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest increase mightily, as as the Lord God of thy fathers has promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. God wants us to prosper. That's why he gives us the commandments. So if we do them, we'll succeed. Then he says this, Hear, O Israel, and this is amazing, because this is the command that when the, when, the, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the lawyers came to Jesus and said, hey, what is the great commandment? He didn't give any of the Ten Commandments. This is the commandment that he gave. He said in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy might, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Now listen, verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently, that is, work hard at teaching them to thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. He says, listen, here's, I've given you all these commandments. I want you to obey these commandments. How are we going to keep all these commandments? Here's one simple commandment that will help you keep all of those commandments. And I want you to teach this commandment to your children and to your children's children. What's that? Love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. You need to teach your children. I need to teach my children how to love God. I need to teach my children. I'm, God says, look, this is very, very important. Teach your children to love me. I, I, uh, when, we, when we were thinking about going to Las Vegas, I can remember, uh, I can remember we, were, we were still in school, and a singing group came through Liberty called the Bill Gaither Trio. And... Uh, Gloria Gaither got up and she does recitations and she did this recitation um, about uh, about a child. She said, you know, 
we, we looked at the fact that we were having children. And she said in that, in that recitation, she said, when, when God gives you a child, there's pride and there's joy that's there. But she said, it, she said there's also a sense of fear because this is not a plaything. You're bringing something into this world. And, and all the things that were going on in this world, all the crazy stuff that's going on in this world makes you question, can I raise a child for the glory of God? Can I do that? Can I bring this child up for the glory of God? And her answer was this, Bill Gaither's song came from that question. Yes, I can. Why? Because he lives. Because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because he lives i can raise my children no matter how crazy things are in this world i can raise them to glorify god if i just remember it's all about him and i have them and i teach them to grow up and love the lord god with all their heart souls and mind and that's what anna and i determined to do so let me give you some principles. Number one, pray for your children. Pray for your children every single day. You say, well, that's, that's, that, that just seems obvious. Listen, I hope it is. But I mean this. I, look, look, I wasn't really good at family devotions. And I just want to be honest with you. I wasn't really good at, hey, let's sit down. Uh, I had heroes of the faith like Lester Roloff and other preachers that would come along and talk about having family altar. That every day they would sit their children down and they would read to them the word of God and then they would talk to them and, and then they would, they would pray together. And, and it was like, like this altar time, like church every day at home. I wasn't good at that. I really wasn't. We were, we were starting a church. We were running here. We were running there. We were going uh, all, all over the place. Uh, so sitting down and having family devotions was really tough. And it seemed really tougher when the babies were infants. Nobody it was just trying to take care of the baby. And then when the kids got older, there was Matt and Josh. And you don't know my sons, but they're, they're crazy. Uh, I don't know where they get it, but they, but they, I had, so I had Matt and Josh who thought they were the floor show. And then there was the peanut gallery. There was faith, hope, and charity who just laughed at anything they did. And so Matthew would instant, while I'm trying to read the Bible and dearly beloved, we, and, and while I was doing that, they would be doing something in the back and the girls would be cracking up and snickering. And it just wasn't a good thing. Uh, we just, it didn't do well. But what we did do is we talked about the Lord all the time. We were constantly talking about the things that God was doing in our life. We were constantly referencing God. Uh, my, I remember one time I was driving down the road and I said, Hey kids, look over there. Let me tell you something about that. And from the back seat, Matthew said, he said, I, I feel an object lesson coming on. <laughs> Because we were constantly talking about the things of God. I, we, were, we drove underneath a, 
a underpass one time and we stopped at a stoplight and up on, under the underpass there were some people that were there was a, a grocery cart filled with stuff you know and there were some people sleeping up there and my wife said to our girls hey listen disobey Jesus and you can live there uh, too <laughs> So we, we talked, we talked, we went, we, we go someplace, go to the Grand Canyon. We always told our kids how much we appreciated uh, uh, what God was doing, how God had provided this, how God had done that. We were constantly talking about the beautiful things that God had created. We would be in the swimming pool, and I'd tell the story of Jonah and the whale. We would just, we, we, we centered our life and our conversations around the things of God. And then I made sure that I prayed for them every single day. I, I went to a, a um, men's conference years ago at Ironwood in Southern California. And our, our kids, I, I just, I think at that time I only had Matt and Josh. And, um, and I went in and this preacher's talking. His name was Jim Berg. And Jim was talking about preachers that he knew whose kids went astray. Uh, kids that had gotten involved in all sorts of sin and were doing all sorts of things out there in the world. And I'm sitting there thinking about Matt and I'm thinking about Josh. And I'm thinking, man, I don't want my kids to live that way. I want my kids to serve Jesus. I want my kids to, to do what God wants me to do. They talked about deacons, kids, and preachers, kids. And man, I sat there for the hour that he talked and I was just, my heart was, was gripped. He ended the service and everybody left and they went out to this game room where, where everybody goes after sessions. And I left and I went down. There was this little area that they had made. There was a mesquite tree, a couple of mesquite trees out there, a little garden area and uh, where, no, where nobody was. And I remember I got down on my face before God. I just got down and I said, God, I want you to know I don't care how big a ministry I ever have. I don't care if anybody knows who I am. I don't care anything. I don't care if we're rich or poor. I don't care anything. All I want is for my children to serve you. I want my children to live for you. I want my kids to serve you. God, I pray you'll make me the kind of husband and father I'm supposed to be. Let my children live for you. Let my children serve you. Let my children do what you want them to do. And I sat, sat down. I really do not know whether I was there for 20 minutes or two hours. I just kept, I'm not eloquent in my prayers. I don't know a lot about eloquence. I just know that God will hear your cries if you're sincere. And I cried out to God and I said, God, I just want my children to serve you. And I begged God that he would do that. And I made a commitment. I was going to pray for my children every single day. This morning when I woke up, I went out and got by myself alone with God. I And I prayed for every one of my children and every one of my grandchildren. There's a total of 31 people in my family now. And every single day, I pray for every single one of them by name. If there's a specific request that I know, I'll pray for that specific request. If not, I just pray that God will bless them that they'll live for God, that they'll serve God, and that God will take care of their needs. I pray for all of my grandchildren. I pray for, for Ashlyn, that she'll live for the Lord and she'll serve Him all of His life, and that God will give her a godly husband. I pray for Bethany, her sister. I pray for 
for Charlotte, I, uh, same thing. God, I pray that you said she'll live for you and serve you all of her life and that you'll give her a godly husband. I was, I was with my grandson, Jonathan. One time he was eight years old and um, he was a committed, committed bachelor. And uh, I, I went, into, uh, went into his room. He was spending the night with us. And I went into his room. I put my hand on his back and I said, I, I'm going to pray for you. He said, good. And so I put my hand on his back. I said, Lord, I pray for Jonathan. I pray he'll live for you and serve you all his life. I pray you'll give him a godly wife. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? You're interrupting my prayer. He said, I'm not getting married, Grandpa. Don't be praying that. Last week, or about two weeks ago, I was in, in Lynchburg. And he's, a, he's going to, through ROTC with, uh, at Liberty Baptist College or Liberty University. And uh, I said, hey, you still want me not to pray? No, you can pray all you want, Grandpa, for, for a life. Uh, so he... Uh, uh, but I, I pray for them every day, every single day. I've done that since that time. Pray every single day. Listen, uh, I pray. I, I have a little granddaughter named Emma May. She is a year and a half old. Is that about a year and a half? Uh, she's just learned how to say Papa, which is very significant in the uh, development of a child. They need to learn how to say grandpa. And so I got her, she says, so now she said, papa, papa. That's so why I get on the phone no matter what. So she, uh, I prayed for her. I prayed for her that God, God would bless her and that she would live for the Lord and serve him all of his life and that God would give her a godly husband. You say, why do you do that when they're a year and a half old? Because I don't want to wait till they're 16 years old and they bring in some like uh, snaggled tooth guy. Uh, you know, I want to I take care of that now. I call it pre-praying instead of pre-paying. Uh, pre-pray. I ask God ahead of time. Uh, the, the Bible says, keep on asking and you shall receive. You need to pray when that baby's born, before our children were born. I, uh, we, I, I walked into my office one day uh, and uh, when I walked into my office, my Two daughters were there, and my daughter-in-law was there, Brianna. I said, and they were crying. I said, what's going on? And they said, well, Brianna just came back from the doctor. I said, what's the deal? They said, um, well, they just told her that the baby's got Danny Walker sy syndrome. That was eight years ago. Danny, I said, what's that? They said, well, that means that the two lobes of the brain are not connected and that that baby's going to be born, and the baby's going to be born severely mentally retarded, or at best, at best, he will be unable to take care of himself. He's going to be a vegetable the rest of his life. And they suggested an abortion. This is two weeks before the baby's supposed to be born. I said, I said, wait a minute. I said, I've been praying every day since the baby has been born. Since you told me the baby was going to be born, I've been praying every single day that that baby would be healthy and whole physically and mentally. I've prayed for that baby every single day. And I said, God answers prayer. It's a really, really great verse in Acts chapter 26 and verse 8. <laughs> Paul is standing in front of King Agrippa. And he says, why should it seem an incredible thing to you that God can raise the dead. Why do we think it's incredible for God to answer prayer? It's been an incredible thing for me. It's not, if I ever told you I raised somebody from the dead, you could have me checked out. Ask me what I'm smoking or ask me what I've been drinking because it's not a credible thing for me 
to say, I raised somebody from the dead. But it's not an incredible thing at all for you to say that God can raise the dead. God can do the impossible. The problem is we're not asking. I said, I said, listen, we've been praying every single day. God is able to do things that are not are 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 impossible. And we we started. I said, let's just pray. So we prayed, and we said, God. And I said, God can take care of this. And of course, abortion was never an option. And and we started praying. And we and, and we I had been praying. We called up missionary friends. We asked them to pray. We asked people to pray. We had a, one missionary in Uganda who prayed, uh, who started fasting and said, I'm, I'm going to start fasting until that baby is born. And that, that man fasted for the next 10 days, just asking God. And I, I believe it was more than that. I think it was 14 days. He prayed. He had, he had everybody in his church take a day and fast for our grandson. They had pe- we had people across the country praying. We, uh, uh, I was, I left there, I was down in West Coast Baptist College, which is only four hours away from Las Vegas, and, and I was re- recruiting some kids to be summer missionaries, and while I was there, I got a phone call, and the phone call was from Matt, he said, Dad, we have to go in for an emergency C-section, the baby's coming today. I said, okay, man, I wish I was there, so I packed up real quick. I was in the middle of an interview with a kid and I packed some stuff up and, and we just headed home. And we prayed all the way. We knew, we knew what the doctors said and nothing had changed. Because she wouldn't get an abortion, they had five specialists who were going to be there in the delivery room so they could take care of the baby, uh, make sure that every aspect of the baby was checked. They had the, the NIC, uh, 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 NICU unit ready for for the baby, everything was ready, everything was set, and we're driving home and we're praying. We're saying, "God, please do something. God, please do something." We're driving home, and we get we get uh, we got all the way there. We got to the hospital. We uh, four hours, and there's just no reception between uh, Las Vegas and out in the middle of the desert. And you're driving, and and we we pull in. We pulled into this to this uh, at the hospital. We run upstairs. We find out where she is, and and she's out of labor. She's out of delivery. She's in the room, and we walk in the room. And we walk in the room. Matthew's got his back to us. Brianne is in the bed, and they're holding the baby. And I thought, oh, what's what are we going to hear? I walk up, put my hand on his back. Matt turns around and said, Dad, you're not going to believe it. He said, what? He said, when we had the baby, there were five doctors that were standing around. He said everything was prepared. Everything was ready. When the baby was born, the baby was born perfectly healthy. They put every exa- They kept taking him out from one test after another test after another test after another test. They give a, a, a reading of a 1 to 10 on a child and when it comes to normalcy, and I don't know what, the, what it's called, but they said this child is a number nine. The best, there was absolutely nothing any of them could find wrong with the baby. I want you to understand, you ought not think it incredible that God can raise the dead. Can you say amen to that? That's our God. That's our God. But we have to pray. We have to pray every single day. You ought to pray for your children, and you should not just pray for your children, 
you should let them hear you pray for them. My grandchildren have all heard me pray for them. My children, every one of them, every night heard me pray for them. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about long, some long prayer. I would go in, there was, there was the boys' room on this side, or girls' room on this side, boys' room on this side. And there was a, there was a, there was a wall between them, but there, there was a door that went into their room and a door that went into the, girl, the girl, girls' room and the guys' room. And I would stand between those doors. I'd say, come on, get ready, get in bed, get in bed, get in bed. Because I was tired at the end of the day, just like you are. I mean, I, I just want to get this over with, but I'm going to pray for them. And so I said, and then they'd get in bed, and I'd say, Lord, I pray for Matt. I pray that he'll live for you and serve you all of his life. I pray you'll give him a godly wife, and I pray, Father, he'll sleep well. I pray that for Joshua. I pray that Joshua will live for you and serve you all of his life. I pray you'll give him a godly wife. You say, just like that? Yeah, just like that. You know why? God knows I'm tired, too. They heard me pray for him. Now they would say, oh, would you pray for Becky because she's not feeling well? Would you pray for this? And I would pray for that specific thing. And I would just do it. Then I would say, Lord, I pray you help us to sleep well. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd go into my bed and I'd say, oh, God, I forgot to pray for my wife. God, I pray for my wife. Help her to sleep good. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> you say, that, what, what good is that? That's prayer. God knows that you're a weak, unable, uneloquent uh, person. Yet he wants you to out loud call on him and ask him to do what you cannot do yourself. Pray for your children every day and let them hear you pray for them. If you stumble and bumble through that, I don't know what to say, figure something out. Say their name to Jesus and let them hear you say their name for Jesus. You know that? You know what? My kids believe that God answers my prayers. You know why? They've heard their dad pray. Got on an airplane one time with Joshua. He was 15 years old. I didn't realize it was the first time he'd ever been on an airplane. Got on an airplane. I'm just trying to get everything ready. And he sits down next to me. And he's, I said, what's wrong, Josh? He said, well, I'm a little nervous. I, says, I said, oh, this is your first airplane flight. He said, yeah. I said, I, I, I said oh, it's, it's going to be okay. I got up and I walked back to the back. And I came back and he said, and his whole attitude had changed. I said, what's the deal? I said, you feeling better? He said, yeah. He said, I got to figuring it out. He said, nothing's going to happen on this plane. I said, why? He said, you're on this plane. And God's not done with you yet. <laughs> why did he believe that? Because he heard his daddy pray. Listen, let them hear you pray for them every day. I can't overemphasize. Uh, one night I'm sitting at the table. I'm giving... I, we're, we had dinner. I prayed for the food. I prayed for my son, Joshua. And Joshua said, Dad, Dad he was sort of fidgety. I see, he said, I've been thinking about, about uh, heaven and stuff. And I said, oh, well, let me tell you a story. And I told the story about a little boy who was about to get uh, saved, but he didn't get saved. And because he didn't get saved, uh, he got hit by a train or a truck or something. I just made up some story. And then he died and went to hell. And Joshua, after dinner, came up to me and said, Daddy, I don't want to go to hell. I want to get saved. And Joshua bowed his head and trusted Christ as his Savior. Look, pray for your kids. God will make you sensitive to them. God will make you aware of them. And, and, and God will work in their lives. Pray. Number two, play with your kids every day. Play with your kids. Now, you can't sometimes every day play with your kids, but play with your children as often as possible. We took Mondays off, every Monday. Uh, every Monday, we took off with our family. 
Now, a lot of preachers don't do this. I did that. I was living, uh, I became a pastor at a time when people were saying, burn out for Jesus. Go out and do everything you can. God will take care of your family. And that's hogwash. God wants, God gives us a command that we're to love our children. We're to take care of our children. We're to teach our children. And in, in this passage in Deuteronomy, he says, when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, as you're walking through the day, whatever you're doing, you teach your children to love God. So we, we just took off Monday. People say, well, you're a pastor seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I say, that's exactly right. And one day, on Monday, I pastor my family. My family is, 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 is going to be pastored first. If I lose my family, I lose my ministry. I'm going, to, I'm going to minister to my children. And I'm not saying we were perfect at that. I'll tell you what, when I did the right things, it affected my children in the right way. When I did the wrong things, it affected them in the wrong way. I, I, I'm, I just want you to understand... I, I was going to spend time with my family. We took Mondays off. We, we, would, we would plan things together. We took family vacations. We determined we were going to take every Monday off. We were going to take at least two weeks of family vacations. We were going to do that whenever we could. And, and uh, I've had some people, preachers, actually say, you ought to take this part out because it sounds too carnal. But that's me. I have the gift of carnality. Uh, uh, we would watch TV with our children. We would sit down and watch what, you know, it's interesting to me that some movies say PG and, and parents will put them in front of a PG movie. The, that means parental guidance. Even the wicked, vile Hollywood industry says, look, don't let your children watch this without some parental guidance. So I've guided my children through a lot of TV shows, watched uh, with them. We watched movies with them. We On Sunday night after church, we would come home, we would put we would put sleeping bags out in front of the television set. We would camp out watching TV shows or movies that I had recorded. We went to amusement parks. Man, we've been to amusement parks all across the United States. We just we decided we were going to do that. If I was going to spend money on something, it was going to spend money doing something with my kids. I went to water parks with my kids. We went to we went uh, swimming. Uh, you know what it's like to live in the desert. I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy water whenever I possibly can. We went to all sorts of, we spent all sorts of time with our children. By the way, you don't have to, you don't have to spend great deals of money to play with your kids. Uh, you, you just don't have to do that. I, um, I can remember uh, that w- what I would do is on Saturday when I was out door knocking or I was out on visitation, I would be spending Saturday thinking, what am I going to do? with my kids on, on Monday. What am I going to do that's fun with my kids on Monday? One day, I came home, and I, had this, I just got this brilliant idea. My, my boys were about 10 and 11 years old, or, uh, or, or 10 and 12 years old. I thought, you know what I did when I was a kid? When I was 10 years old, I used to go lizard hunting with my friends. This was a big deal, going out lizard hunting. I thought, I've never taken my kids lizard hunting. This will be great. And so I, I went home and I said to my wife, Anna, I got something we're going to do on Monday. And she said, what? I said, I'm going to take the kids out. We're all going to go lizard hunting. And my wife said, what? I said, we're going to go lizard hunting. We're going to go out in the desert and I'm going to teach them how to hunt for lizards. She said, lizard hunting? Honey, that's crazy. There's snakes out there. I thought she's thinking back at the weeds and her and her and the. the, the I said, well, "Listen, I used to go out as a kid. I never saw a snake ever out in the desert." I said, "But there's lizards, and I know how to catch lizards." Now, if you don't know how to catch lizards, I want to help you. 
just in case you don't know how to catch lizards. When you go out lizard hunting, there's, I mean, I'm pretty good at this. I'm an expert uh, lizard hunter. I, you, what you do is you go out to where people have thrown their trash out in the desert. I'm sure they do that here like they've done out on the outskirts of Las Vegas. You go out there, you find pieces of cardboard that are just laying there or old pieces of wood or tin. Uh, that corrugated tin is really good stuff. You find that it's laying on the ground or laying near a bush. And what's happened, what happens is lizards will go underneath that for shade, and what you do is you get three or four uh, 10-year-old boys, and they stand around, here's the rules, they stand around that piece of cardboard. One of them is designated to be the cardboard picker-upper, and he takes that and he throws it back as fast as he can. Once he throws that back, then this, the, the other boys, are, they're focused on the lizard, and the idea is you'll see the lizard and you jump on the lizard. Now, the first hand, the hand that actually touches the lizard is the one that gets it if the lizard survives. All right, so that, that's the rules. That's, that's the rules of the game. So you flip the thing off, you all jump, and you see the lizard. You spot the lizard and you jump on the lizard. So I said, Anna, this is what we do, and I explained it to the kids, and I said, we've got to be really quiet, but we're going to go out and we're going to catch lizards. So we get in our little car, and we're driving out on this dirt road, and all of a sudden I spot something. I... I the perfect place for a lizard. Somebody had dropped off a box spring in the middle of the dirt road. Now, you guys know about blow sand, right? You know that blow sand blows underneath things and, and you can have a pocket of a hole in the ground that's filled with blow sand. It looks like the, the road is straight. And uh, so I, I stopped and I said, oh, wow, Anna, there will be a lizard under there. She said, David, there could be snakes under there. I wasn't thinking she's my helpmeet at that point. I was just thinking, dumb country girl. She doesn't know this, and so she's never known up in the desert. And so, so I said, oh, it's going to be okay. So she said, okay. So I got Matt over here, and I got Josh over here, and I got Charity and Faith. Hope was only 18 months old, and so I had her under my arm like a sack of potatoes. I had her hold her here, and I said, now listen, I'm going to be very quiet, very quiet. Now let's get up here. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up that box spring and I'm going to fling it. When, when I do, you're going to see, a, you're going to see a, 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 a you're going to see a, a, a lizard. It might be a whiptail lizard, might be a little snub-nosed lizard, might be a horny toad, might be a blow lizard, but you'll see a lizard. And I said I'm almost sure. So so watch this. So I grab it. I I have him here. I grab the I grab the box spring. Matthew, Josh, Charity, Faith. I've got hope. And I took the thing, Anna's standing about 15 feet away. I took the thing and I flipped it up. I flipped it up and it went flying back. I mean, I had muscle back then and I, it just flipped. And, uh, and sure enough, just like I said, there was a little snub-nosed lizard. It was about within my hand's reach. And, as, and I thought, well, I'm going to go down for it. I went down. I went down on my knees like this to get the lizard. When I did that, I did not see there was a pile of blow sand here. And in the midst of that blow sand, there was a rattlesnake. I, I went down to get the little lizard. I put Hope down here. She's standing up about this high. And that snake reached up, looked at her eyeball to eyeball. And I looked over and said, oh, my wife was right. That was a cra- I looked at it and I thought, oh, and I jumped back. 
And uh, the kids all jumped back, and they're all screaming, and it was nuts. And my wife, my, my wife yelled. This is what got my attention. She said, David, there's a snake! And we were all just crazy. And then after a while, the boys looked over and said, wow! And they got great big boulders. Any PETA people here? And uh, they started bombarding that snake. And uh, you say, why are you telling that story? Because I'm telling you, you ought to play with your children. You ought to have fun. These are memories that you will build forever. Just find something to do with your kids. That was a free activity. And we didn't have to go to the hospital. So we went out in the desert, going out in the desert, throwing rocks at bottles, doing that kind of things. We just decided we were going to have fun with your children. Listen, pray for your children every day. Play with your children every uh, as as often as possible play with your kids uh it's it's so important then three participate with your children in ministry participate with your children in ministry they were involved if they didn't go we didn't go i um was invited one time to go to the uh to a to a camp they said, we want you to come, and uh, we want you to be in our couples retreat. And I said, uh, I'd love to. Uh, I said, where, what are we, where, where will the children stay? They said, oh, you cannot bring your children. I said, well, you need to understand, if I don't, if I don't uh, bring my children, then I don't come, because every place I go, my kids go with me. And she said, and, and the guy said, oh, I guess then you won't be able to come. Uh, about a week later, I got a phone call back, and they said, listen, we really want you to come. Uh, will your children be able to serve? I said, well, yeah, all of them except the baby. The baby is uh, only a few months old. And they said, oh, that's no problem. Uh, will they all be able to serve? I said, yeah. I said, they said, would they mind working in the kitchen? I said, no, my kids will love working in the kitchen. My love, kids love serving. And they said, okay. So we, we, we went. My kids started serving. They, they, my boys did dishes in the back, and the girls were waiters, waitresses. And they loved it because my, one of my daughters came running up. I think it was Faith, ran up and said, Dad, that man over there gave me a dollar. I said, give it to me. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and then everybody started tipping my daughters, and my boys were upset because they were washing dishes. And the, the cute girls were getting, getting tips from all the preachers and their wives and all the people that were at the couples retreat. It was a neat thing. So, uh, but, but, but listen, we just decided if we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to have our kids serve the Lord, we want them to enjoy that. My kids have all gone soul winning with me. They all went soul winning. Uh, when uh, my, every one of my kids have watched me lead someone to Christ. Uh, they've watched me at different, in different circumstances going door to door to door. I, I, I was there when my, when my, the son, one of my son-in-laws first led someone to Christ, and I taught him how to lead people to Christ. It's, it's something we did together. It wasn't the ministry stealing dad away from the family. It was something we did together. When I went to preach, they went with me to preach. If I was invited to speak at a, at a college, I can remember one time there was a college down in Southern California called Pensa, uh, Pens, not Pensacola, Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. And I went down there to preach at that college. And I told the kids, it was ha happened to be on Faith's birthday. And so 
uh, I said, listen, we're going to go down that there. I'm going to preach at the college, and then we're going to go over to Disneyland. And the reason we're going to be able to all go is because the church is paying my way to go down there because I'm preaching at a college. And so I don't even have to, have to pay for the for that. All I have to do is pay for Disneyland tickets. So we're going to go to Disneyland. I'm going to preach. And then as soon as I'm finished preaching, we're going to go to Disneyland. And she said, they, they all said, yeah, this is great. So after the preaching is over, it's about 10.30 or so at 11 o'clock at, in, in the morning. And, uh, and afterwards... When you go to a college, if you speak at the college, the kids are all encouraged to come up and shake your hand and meet you or something. So, so, uh, uh, and they want you to sign their Bibles. And so I, I went there and I was preaching. After, afterwards, uh, afterwards, I went up. All right, I, the preacher said, uh, now, Brother Tice is going to be down here at the front if you'd like to talk to him. Uh, and so there's a line. And there was a line up. That, I mean, it went way to the other side of the, of the auditorium. And, I'm, and the kids are saying, Mom, when are we gonna go? And and the kids are all waiting for me to get out of there because they don't they don't care about what I'm doing. They just want to go to Disneyland. And so uh, uh, they sent uh, it was Faith the birthday. So Matt and Josh sent Faith up, and she's about seven or eight years old. And she comes up and she starts pulling on my coat, saying, "Grand, Dad, Dad." I said, "What? Hold on for just a minute." And I'm talking. To, oh, good to see you. Yes, it's great to meet you. Yes, it's good. And I'm signing Bibles and. Uh, Faith saying, Dad, come on, let's go, let's go. I said, wait, i got to talk to these people. And she stops and she looks. She looks at me, and then she looks at this line of people. And then she looks back at me, and then she smiles. She said, what are you doing? You're signing Bibles? What do you think you are, some big shot or something? <laughs> And I said, not anymore. Anyway, so, uh, and everybody left and we went to Disneyland. So uh, so what I'm saying is this, when what we did, we did together. We went to dinner together with preachers and missionaries that were in town. We spent time with our family. We went out. Um, our kids have slept in restaurant benches and uh, just all sorts of places. We went out, they went out. If we were invited to speak somewhere, they traveled with us. We were fanatics about having our kids with us in whatever we did. Listen, it's so important that you that you participate with your children in ministry. I'm going to give you one more and then we're going to be finished. Provoke your children to think. Provoke your children to think. Uh, we didn't want our children just to believe what we believed because we believed it. We wanted them to think about what we did. We had extended family members that were involved in sin. My, my, my dad and my mom, uh, people ask you, how did you wind up in Las Vegas? Well, my dad was married to, my dad was married, divorced several times. My mom and dad um, met in, under strange circumstances. When he was 33 years old, he's met my daughter, my, not my daughter, my, that would have been strange. Uh, he met my mother on a bus. She was 20 years old and he started flirting with her and he called, started calling her legs. And uh, she was upset with him and he was from Lebanon and so it, he, in Lebanon, it didn't matter uh, what she thought. If the dad said, you date him, you date him. And so she follow, he followed my mother home to my grandfather's house. And uh, he said, uh, he introduced himself. He said, I'd like to date your daughter. What do you think? And she said, uh, 
she said, yeah, my grandfather said, that's, that's up to her. She's a big girl. If she wants to date you, she can. Well, she wasn't interested in dating him. And so my, grand, my dad went off. He got to be friends with my grandpa somehow. And then he left. Well, my mom married somebody else. She married a, a guy who became a drunk and beat her up all the time. And she had three children uh, to him. And uh, he then started threatening to throw acid in my, in my, uh, bro- my older brothers and sisters face and disfigure them and and he was just abusive to my to my mother and so um, uh, about the time that was going on my dad went back into uh was going through altoona pennsylvania to see uh, and he thought i'm going to stop and see my uh my um my friend my, who was my grandpa and see charlotte see if charlotte's around so that and so he went he went to see her and uh, and my dad said, oh, she's married and she's living in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And he said, oh, if, if I'd have known she was happily married, I, I wouldn't have bothered uh, coming by. And he said, oh, she's not happily married. And then my grandfather told what was going on with my grandmother or with my, with my mother. And so uh, Paul said, my dad said, oh, well, we'll take care of that. And uh, he, he drove over to Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, picked up my my mother and my three siblings and brought them to Las Vegas, Nevada, where at that time you could get a divorce if you stayed in separate domiciles for six weeks. And so he did that so that they could get a divorce and get remarried. And so that four years later I could be born. And so uh, so that is how my mom and dad met. So, uh, and that's how, that's how our whole family. People ask me, are you against divorced people? I say, no, not at all, because um, I wouldn't be here uh, if it wasn't that. So, so I, I want you to understand, with, with that, all of that background, my mom and dad then got saved, but, but my family is a, it has got a lot of dysfunction in my family. And, and so there's a lot of crazy things that my brothers and sisters have done. Somebody asked me yesterday, do you know Sean Tice? I said, yeah, that's my nephew. My nephew is uh, my nephew uh, is my brother's son. My my brother was a drunk. He was in pornography. He was he did everything you could possibly do uh, that was wrong in life. And uh, I had I, my family is just that way. So when I when I was with my kids, uh, I, we didn't we didn't shield our children from our family. We never let our children alone with anybody in my family or my wife's family. We never did. We, when my family started coming to our house, I, we said, you need to understand there's no cussing in my home, there's no smoking in my home, there's no drinking in my home. And my family said, then we're never coming to your home. And, and that's the way it was, except for a few of them. And then they started slowly drifting in. And, uh, but, but we said, that's the way it's gonna be in our home. And, um, and uh, so we had, we had a lot of problems. Well, when things happened in our family, we didn't shield our kids from that. We told them this happened. Oh, this person uh, is pregnant and they're not married. How did that happen? We talked to them about it. When we talked to them, when there was drunkenness, we talked to them about that. When somebody was being abused, we talked to them about that. Uh, you realize that the Bible talks about every kind of vile, wicked sin that there is? If the Bible wasn't written by God, it would be a pornographic book. The Bible has got stories, horrible stories. You think about David. You think about the things that he did. This is pornography, except here's the difference between God's word and pornography. The difference is pornography glorifies a sin, but God's word shows the consequences of the sin. 
the consequences of the sin. Is there consequences? Oh, there's, there's some of the founding fathers of our faith who were polygamists. Yeah, look at the consequences. Look at the struggles. Look at David's sin. There was consequences. We showed them the consequences of the sins that, that took place. And so uh, we would have it. One time, their uncle came to, over to our house, and he said, well, kids, he said, I made some money that your, your dad would never be able to make in a, in a million years. And I said, what's that? He said, well, I stopped at this little place, and he said, on the way home, and I won a $3,000 jackpot. I said, wow, that's a lot of money. And the kid said, yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, your dad will never do that because he doesn't gamble. I said, that's right. And uh, then I said, hey, let me ask you a question, Rick. How, how often do you stop at that place? What do you mean? I said, how often do you go to that place? Oh, you said I stop there every day after work. And I said, oh, how many years have you been going there? Oh, years. I said, hmm, how many times have you won? And I'm saying this in front of my kids, you understand? How many times have you won? Uh, well, I don't know. There, I don't know. I've, I, I, well, this is the first time. I said, oh. I said, so you put a lot of money in those slot machines, huh? Well, yeah, well, yeah, well. And then, and then we talked for a little while, and, and then I let him off the hook, and he left. I said, kids, let me explain something to you. When Uncle Rick, I said, first of all, do you think that Uncle Rick is a happy person? No. Do you, do you, would you like to live where Uncle Rick lives and live like Uncle? No, Daddy. I said, let me, ask, let me tell you this. I said, Uncle Rick went there over and over and over, and he gambled and he gambled and he gambled. I said, he probably put about $6,000 in that slot machine before he ever got $3,000. If I was to give you a dollar, if, if I was to give you $6,000 and, and, and then get $3,000 back, do you think that would be a good deal? No. Why? You lose $3,000. That's exactly right. I said, Uncle Rick didn't make any money today. He just got a little bit of his money back. And they understood. They understood the consequences of sin. And it's very, very important you teach your children. Don't shield them. The Bible doesn't shield your kids from sin. It talks about it, but it talks about the consequences, which uh, is so, so important. So I'm going to stop there because it's 2 o'clock, and I think we're supposed to stop at 2 o'clock. Okay, somewhere around there. And we will start again tomorrow evening. We'll finish uh, the rest of these tomorrow evening, and I hope that you'll be able to be there. It is so important. I'm going to just say this in summary. It is so important that you pursue your children's hearts. If, if we get anything out of that passage in Deuteronomy, we get this, that they're spending time in the morning, they're spending time in the evening, and all due through the day, they're spending time pouring their hearts and their minds into their children, teaching them to love God. That's our responsibility. And when you teach your children to love God, you'll mess up. You won't be a perfect parent. But you know what? They'll love you because they love God. Father, help us to take what we've heard today. Help us not to just be hearers, but help us to be doers of your word. Help us to apply your truth to our lives for your glory. Father, I pray for our children. I pray for the children of every single person in here. I pray, Father, that we would impact them. Even if our children are adults, help us to have a positive impact on our children. 
for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.